How can you not be romantic about baseball? Bringing a high drive to left. This baby's way back. It is out of here. I don't believe what I just saw. Coswell slashes one foul. Oh, that hit a bird, and it bounces back into fair territory. Oh, I got I to gotta check the rule book on this one, folks. I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. Our ass is in the jackpot now. You're listening to Booze and Baseball. There's 50 feet of crap, and then there's us. A baseball first podcast, sort of, featuring Derek Johnson. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Dusty Baker. I heard that. Dynamite drop-in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. So sit back and enjoy the talk around the diamonds with a cold one in hand. Today's secret ingredient is beer! I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Welcome into another edition of Booze and Baseball. I'm Derek Johnson. Along with me is Dusty Baker. Episode number 37. Dusty's Dodgers are in the official bracket after winning a wild card game against the St. Louis Cardinals. And now we have Armageddon, Dusty's Dodgers, my Giants. The top two records in baseball are playing each other in the NLDS. Thoughts on the wild card win, the upcoming series with the Giants, any rule changes should be had because this is happening so early and uh, drinking anything tonight, Dusty. I am drinking I not as much as I did yesterday. That uh, the day of recording is uh, on Thursday the seventh, so the game took place on the sixth. And my gosh, I think my heart has uh, really been damaged uh, many a times thanks to that ball game. But yeah, uh, this is this is the the hate each other week. Derek and I are on uh, very different parts of the country right now, and probably a good thing for this particular week. I'm gonna crack open right now. Uh, a Stiegel Radler grapefruit. Mm. Um, it's uh, it's actually a malt beverage, and so uh, it, it's I've never had this one before. I threw a party this past week, and in, in the fear that uh, you know, the Dodgers would lose, and that somehow I had something to at least look forward to, and uh, they they somehow held up. And so whenever you throw a party, and people start bringing a bunch of uh, beer and whatnot with with them to it, you end up with stuff that you never normally drink. So I've I was like, you know what? I'm going to take my pick from the litter here. Uh, and uh, I'm actually pretty excited about this. We'll see how this is. Okay. I have an empty water bottle here. I'm actually, full disclosure, I am having to record <laughs> this after work at the radio studio. So I don't have anything on me. I guess I could go. Uh, there's a pub uh, in walking distance in my parking lot. I could go over there and see if they'll Ooh. give me a big pint in between you talking on one of these segments. And then maybe I'll just re-show up back on the uh, podcast. I feel like you could easily pull that. Uh, sometimes I'll go on these rants that could easily get you about five drinks in between. So, but yeah, this is a this is a crazy week, Derek. Um, I don't think we've ever expected to see something like this. You know, you always think about the rivalry, uh, and you know, obviously you hear about the Red Sox and Yankees rivalry. You saw that they faced off in the wild card matchup. I mean, this postseason might be one of the coolest postseasons in our lifetimes, just because of the fact that. 
you know, you had that rivalry game in the wild card matchup. You had the Dodgers taking on a team that, honestly, they're not very good at uh, facing in the postseason. That was the fifth time the two teams, actually, I believe the sixth time the two teams had met each other. Um, and uh, the Dodgers had only beat the Cardinals once before in the previous five affairs. Was that the Matt Holiday uh, so- game where he just, like, dropped the ball? <laughs> I was re-watching the highlights of that yesterday. Uh, yes, that so that was game two in uh, 2009 um, of their NLDS series. So yeah, that's the only time the Dodgers had ever beat the Cardinals in the playoffs. And so uh, obviously we know the story of Matt Carpenter. We know the story of Matt Adams, all the Mats. Uh, and then you have the Ozzy Smith home run in 85. So yeah, for Dodgers fans, yesterday was pretty sweet. Chris Taylor has not been hitting well. Derek, of all people, knows that mm. to the max because he had him in fantasy baseball. I had to drop um, him at the so end. Chris <laughs> dropped him at the end, and he decides to be the guy that produces pretty much the entire offense for the evening uh, for either team. Because think about this. The Cardinals, it was a pass ball that they scored in the first inning, so they had no offense. And then the Dodgers, outside of a Justin Turner home run, they didn't do much either against Adam Wainwright. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy that it came down to that. Uh, Chris Taylor having to come off and uh, do his thing out there in the bottom of the ninth inning. And now now we have the two best teams in baseball having to play in a best-of-five series. You, you have got to be kidding me. The Atlanta Braves have less wins than the St. Louis Cardinals, the wild card two had. I mean, it's just the weird part of this season. It, I mean, obviously, we wish the Dodgers and Giants could face off in the NLCS, but uh, this is going to be pretty sweet, Derek. Yeah, no, this is going to be very, very exciting and entertaining and gut-wrenching the whole way through. And it's crazy they haven't ever met in the playoffs before. I know people argue about, well, the tiebreakers in the 50s, and that stuff counts, but I, I don't even care what you think about that. I, I just... I am so excited for this series, but I'm also nervous. I'm ready to be hurt, um, and we'll see what happens. But I, I think either way, it's interesting because the Dodgers are, are the – they were even in the wild card game. They're the favorite to win the World Series, but I would assume whichever team wins this series is going to end up being the favorite, like betting-wise, headed into the CS at that point. Uh, speaking of the championship series, here's our throwback baseball stat of the week. Game four of the 1983 ALCS – The Baltimore Orioles finished off a sweep of the Chicago White Sox with a 3-0 win, led by a 3-5 game from Eddie Murray and great pitching. The game actually went to 10 innings. They scored three runs in the top of the 10th. Storm Davis, that's a great name to begin with, just Storm, had six scoreless (laughs) innings. And then it was, how about this name for the winning pitcher who went four innings of relief, Tippy Martinez. So Storm and Tippy leading the Orioles to the uh, ALCS. They eventually won the World Series that year. Wait, let's hope that Tippy. I mean, it sounds like since Tippy had such a great performance, he wasn't tipping his pitches. Um, <laughs> Eddie Murray, I've actually had a chance to meet Eddie Murray at a car dealership. Don't ask me why or how. Don't really remember how that happened. Uh, but I have a signed baseball card somewhere. Um, I, I think it's, you know, in my collection. I would hope. I really hope. I mean, Eddie Murray was good. Yeah. He's really, really good. So. Um, but yeah, I have a signed baseball card from Eddie Murray. I kind of briefly remember meeting him. Um, it kind of goes back to the days. I think it was like eighth grade or whatnot. Derek, I don't know if you remember, Mm -hmm. but you and I went to the, the fan fest. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it was that same year. I remember because we had just met Eddie Murray and then you and I had met like Juan Marichal. We, did we meet, um, we met. Harmon Killebrew, I want to say. Yeah, that sounds familiar. 
Um, God, we, we had a great list. Maybe Gaylord Perry was that on that list too? I don't remember if Gaylord right? Perry was there or not. But Bob I mean, Feller. it was Bob it was Feller. it was a lot of people. Bob Feller, Bob Feller. That's was right. One there of you them. go. And yeah. we met Ozzy. Mm-hmm. We met Ozzy as well. But yeah, it, it, so Eddie Murray kind of goes back for me to kind of that that whole realm where it's like he gets lost in the the amount of cool people we had a chance to meet over the course of like a couple months there, especially during that fan fest. Yeah, no, that was that was a ton of fun. Would highly recommend going to anything like that. All right, let's get to our first uh, topic of the night beyond the Dodgers Giants stuff. If you're playing in a postseason fantasy baseball league, which maybe you're just starting up, uh, maybe you just started up the other day, but I don't know, maybe you can make moves or something. How would you approach a strategy there if you were playing in a fantasy postseason baseball league? Yeah, and obviously this is going to be very different based off of you know structure and whatnot. I guess mentally with the general idea that you would draft you know players right now, right, the, of the eight teams that are out there and you just kind of have to roll probably with you know you you would hope that you get a player from each team i think that's probably the way you would have to go about so it you somehow. would divvy there, yourself there out you would try to spread out the love exactly because if you go wholehearted into one guy or one team i should say uh, obviously you're really putting your eggs in one basket now i mean I would not be personally picking any players from the Atlanta Braves. I know that they're fantasy relevant across the board. Guys like Austin Riley, Freddie Freeman, obviously you want those guys. Uh, But I would not pick those guys either at all or until the much later rounds. Let somebody else throw a flyer at the guys that they're only going to get, you know, maybe three to four games max with. Um, You also want to get your aces. If you're uh, going for pitchers right now, uh, the best guys out there to get would be the Walker Bueller and Logan Webbs of the world. Uh, you'd want to get, I, I guess, like turning to the American League, um, you know, any of the aces going down that path. The, technically today of recording, it's ALDS game one. So there's a little cheating here, but a, a guy like Lance McCullers would have made, you know, a lot of sense to draft pretty much earlier than maybe a guy like Max Freed, who you don't expect to go, you know, as deep in the playoffs um that, that that's kind of the route that i would take i mean i would hone in on the teams that you're most comfortable with i also would probably steer clear of any giants and dodgers hitters personally because this is going to be a pitcher's duel the entire weekend and i would not want to touch anybody except for maybe chris bryant or trey turner i mean outside of those two uh you got Corey seager you got mookie you got yastrzemski you, 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 and i mean my gosh if you want rbis might as well get Lamont Wade because you know that Lamont Wade's going to do something every single game, I feel like. Lamont Wade is the most underrated player in this postseason. I, I, he has torched every team. Everybody should know by now that guy's name. And uh, everybody should be prepared when he has like three RBI doubles this week. I mean, it's just inevitable. So I would probably pick Lamont Wade just knowing that he's going to spite the Dodgers. Well, I think it helps some of the Giants hitters that they've been a lot better against righties than lefties because of some guys like Lamont Wade. And, you know, you have Julio Urias, who has pitched fantastic outside of, I think, one start against the Giants so far this year. So that would be a matchup that you're avoiding. But the rest, you look through the postseason, most of the, if the Giants were to advance, even with the Dodgers, a lot of the big pitchers are righties outside of guys like Urias and Freed. So that would be helpful there. I just think it's interesting because you have a couple different strategies here. You can, like you said, divvy up the talent and, you know, just kind of, be no matter who advances, we're going to have um, opportunity to get more points or get more whatever, however you're calculating your scoring. Or you can view it as, 
I'm just going to load up on a couple teams. Like, I'm just going to bank on this team making the World Series. I'm banking on that team as much as the individual players. And if they make it, I'm going to do great because I'm going to get so many games out of them. You can do that as well. Um, I think it's it's a little smart to almost pick like three teams, like for a pitching staff specifically. With hitters, I'm all about spreading out the love. I think it's smart from a pitching staff. If you can get like the top two pitchers of, say, two or three different teams, depending on how many pitchers you're going to have and stuff, I like that strategy because then you're going into series where if you have the top pitcher, he's probably going to pitch two games in that given series. And if you get a couple teams and you just hope one makes the World Series, you're going to get a ton of points out of that. So I, I that would be my strategy to go for it now, but um, I don't know. Uh, postseason fantasy leagues aren't ultra popular, just something that some people do, and they can be fun uh, if you do them. All right, here's our next segment. This is going to be a fun segment we do throughout the playoffs here. It is called Playoff Beer Pong, and if you're unaware with how to play beer pong, it's you know a simple game. You shoot two shots. It's you and a partner. Each shoot a shot, although you can play 1v1. Each shoot two shots. If you make both, you and your partner, you get the balls back, and then you get to shoot again. Now, if you make one of the shots and miss the other, the cup gets pulled, but it's the other person's turn. And if you miss both, nothing happens. It's just the other person's turn. So we are going to go back and forth on these podcasts. You are going to pick two games for tomorrow's action on Friday. Um, so you'll, you'll have the, the pick of all four games are being played. Game two for the ALDS and, and game ones for the NLDS. You can pick two games of your liking. If you get both right, you get balls back for next episode. If you get one wrong, then it's my turn. And we're going to play six-cup beer pong. Loser has to chug a beer at the end of the season. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, I can't wait to uh, not jinx my Dodgers because I'm steering <laughs> so far clear of that game. I I have basically three options here because I will not be talking or picking the Dodgers tomorrow. I will not be picking the Giants tomorrow. I will let the cards <laughs> deal themselves. I, I the cards aren't in the playoffs. Sorry, Dust. Yeah, I, I just am totally going to be avoiding that. So uh, as for the slate on October the 8th, that would be on Friday. You have Lucas Giolito facing Framber Valdez uh, in Houston. You have Charlie Morton facing Corbin Burns. That's a heck of a mm. pitching matchup. <laughs> My goodness. And then you have Chris Sale Versus Shane Baz. That one is a wild one as well. Um, I'm going to have to go with my gut. Uh, and the two games that I'm going to be picking are going to be the White Sox-Astros game, the Braves and Brewers games. And uh, to be honest, I got to go with the Astros. After seeing this game one performance that they've had, uh, they roughed up Lance Lynn pretty good. Uh, the pitching obviously has been great, but the bullpen has been even, you know, even more stellar, you know, following through with what McCullers has done. Uh, Astros basically put this game away in like the third inning. Jordan Alvarez is a freaking animal. Um, I am going to go and pick Framber. I think that the pitching matchup, uh, your eyes will probably be more drawn to Lucas Giolito, but the numbers would reflect that this is a pretty even matchup on the hill. And offensively right now, I think this is a better Astros team. Um, the White Sox look incredibly cold as we speak. So I'm picking the Astros over the White Sox. And then in the Braves-Brewers game, how can I not pick Corbin Burns and the Brewers? Uh, Charlie Morton's been really, really good. Don't get me wrong. Their offense is really, really good. 
But Corbin Burns is an elite level of really, 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 really good. So I, I, I think that Corbin Burns' true first postseason appearance here, remember he didn't pitch last year. He was hurt. Um, unfortunately, Devin Williams won't be pitching in this game because he decided punching walls is his new thing. Um, but uh, I think uh, Corbin Burns is going to go out there, shut down Atlanta for probably seven innings, and then uh, you'll see Josh Hader come in and uh, finish the job probably for two more innings. That's honestly my guess. I think you only see two pitchers tomorrow. Uh, and I think for Atlanta, you're going to get maybe six really good innings out of Charlie Morton. And then the Brewers will probably require a late run or two in the game. And that's maybe all it takes. So I'm going to go with the Brewers and the Astros on Friday. So the two home teams, I do not feel good mm. about the Rays Red Sox game too, because to be honest with you, I think Shane Baz is incredibly talented, but I mean, he, he doesn't have much to work with in terms of what he did during the regular season. Right. So I was a little surprised when, you know, you look and that's, that's who their game two starter is. I mean, you know, Tyler glass now is obviously not coming back till 2023. Um, but man, like as good as the Rays pitching has been this year, it's kind of crazy that that's who they, they consider to be their game two starter considering they didn't have to pitch any of their guys this week. Yeah, I uh, I actually am glad you picked those because it gives me more. I was actually going to pick the opposite for both those games. I like Lucas Giolito against the Astros. He only pitched against them once time one time this year, but he went a uh, complete game, one run ball, and uh, I don't know. I think they might be able to bounce back tomorrow after the bad beatdown that came today. And then um, I think that the Braves' offense is really really good, and you know. Charlie Morton's not as good as Corbin Burns, but I think the difference between Corbin Burns to Charlie Morton, a postseason Charlie Morton, isn't as wide as the gap between the Braves offense and the Brewers offense. And uh, Corbin Burns pitched one time against the Braves this year. So again, small sample size. He went four innings, gave up five earned runs. So I'm cool with you picking those, and we'll see. if, uh, Like I said, so if you get both right, you get balls back, you get to pick again next episode. If not, then I get to go, whether you get a cup or two, and it'll be six cup. Beer pong loser has to finish their drink. If neither team, you know, beats the other, we'll figure out a way from there to kind of settle things. I don't know. Maybe we'll do like free agency like predictions like or something. Okay. Contrarians. Yes, exactly. Uh, okay, let's get on to our playoff blueprint. This is one of my favorite things that happens in baseball. It happens in some other sports, but I feel like it happens more in baseball where whoever wins the World Series at the end of the season – after they win the World Series, there are certain teams, and you hear it from certain media people, of, you know, this is how they won the World Series. That is now the blueprint how you win a World Series, right? So when the Royals won the World Series in 2015, that blueprint became you have to get a great bullpen. Or when, um, I don't know, like if, if the A's were to win the World Series 15 years ago, it would have been, you know, all about on-base percentage, which it has become that anyway. If the Giants were to win the World Series this year, there could be uh, something else. When the Giants won the World Series in 2010, it was all about you have to have the elite starting pitching, right? So depending who wins the World Series, it's a little silly because it really just is whoever can be the most complete team, whoever can be the hottest team at the end, that's who's going to win. There's not one blueprint, and that's the only blueprint, but that's what ends up happening, and it affects the market. It affects free agency that year with who's going to get paid and whatnot. So we're going to go through all the eight teams who are still alive and give their playoff blueprint, where if this team specifically wins, what are going to be the copycat teams like the Rockies, because they're probably not smart enough to think individually, uh, <laughs> to try to emulate 
from them in the offseason and organizationally. So the first one we'll take a look at is the Atlanta Braves. If the Atlanta Braves win the World Series, what are the copycat teams going to be looking to uh, pull from them? They'll be uh, they'll be looking to establish an elite infield, I feel like. I mean, that's step one right there. The Braves probably, you can make an argument, have the best infield in baseball. They definitely have one of the best. Um, they've got power at every position there. Uh, and honestly, the Braves are pretty good for the most part up the middle, I would say. You know, that's something that is a common theme. Uh, they're supposed to be good up the middle with Acuna. They don't have Acuna, um, but they may do. They uh, they went out at the deadline and got a bunch of outfielders to kind of combat the fact they weren't, you know, scoring as frequently. And uh, look what they've done now. You know, that offense is kind of back to what we know of the Atlanta Braves. Um, I would say a good copycat team would probably look at how the Braves have the cornerstone of Freddie Freeman at first base. And so the goal may be to, to find your, your star at first. It could just mean signing a guy like, like a Corey Seager. I mean, this is, this is the off season uh, to where major names will be going at the shortstop position. And you have Dansby Swanson. That's definitely broken out this year. Austin Riley has been unbelievable on the corners. I mean, you could really make an argument that every position with Ozzie Albies, maybe the best uh, out, out of them too. I mean, like each one of them has a strength in their own way that is maybe differentiating them from the other. Uh, Freddie Freeman is pretty much kind of the all-around guy that can go out there. He's your former MVP. Uh, Albies is a speed and power combo. Swanson has more of the power that you expected. Shoots doubles a ridiculous amount of times. And then Riley is just straight power that can also hit for average. I mean, uh, and it all came from the fact that, you know, each of these guys was developed within the Braves system. And so that's something that's super important. So I feel like any of the copycat teams, like Derek mentioned, you got the Rockies, you got the Orioles out there. I think the Orioles would be the team to really watch this because the Orioles have not made any moves over the last three to four years in free agency. Um, it seems to me like the Orioles are going to try and trend in the direction of let's build from within kind of the the model that we'll, we'll probably address a couple times in this little talk right here because uh, the Braves are not the only team, obviously, to do that. Um, but yeah, they, the, the big thing is develop a solid infield within their core. And you've noticed the Orioles have drafted mostly outfielders and catchers. So um, would be kind of curious to see how that changes things here. Yeah, I, I like that homegrown aspect of it. I think that's probably the ideal one. And by the way, the reason I brought up the Rockies, remember after it was the bullpen craze and the Rockies signed like Brian Shaw and Wade Davis and they gave out these like huge contracts. It's just like you don't have to copy what the champion did. But anyway, um, I think here's, here's a more interesting one for the Braves because I do agree with you the homegrown one is the way to go. What if it gets viewed as, hey, Ronald Acuna was out for the year who needs a superstar? And and they still have, like, stars with Austin Riley and Albies and Freeman and so forth. But, like, that top-level superstar, top-five player in the game. Because Mike Trout ain't winning. Shohei Otani ain't winning. Ronald Acuna wouldn't be on the World Series team. What does that mean? D does a team like the Angels see that and go, man, maybe we should trade Mike Trout finally? I don't know. <laughs> That's probably overthinking it. But that would be an interesting viewpoint if that was the way to do it. But eh, that'll never happen because basically that would boil down to somebody being like, what if we had a worse player? You know, and that's just kind of silly. All right, what about the Milwaukee Brewers? If the Brewers win the World Series, what are people going to try to copy from them? Oh, it's pitching. I mean, it's 100% pitching. you got Woodruff. You've got Burns right there. you got Peralta. Um, once again, what did this organization do? They built within and they developed a solid core of pitching. The other thing is their offense is really not great, right? And so 
a copycat may look at it and uh, kind of eye them. There's one other team that we'll mention later here that kind of has the same build as the Brewers. Uh, won't mention it yet. Um, but the copycat would insist, you know what? Like, we don't need to go out and get massive power hitters. Kind of like what you mentioned. I mean, you don't need the superstar slugger necessarily. You just need guys that get on base, can drive in runs in the clutch, and great pitching and legitimate bullpen. Um, and that's what the Brewers offer. And, uh, you know, I would look at a team, I mean, at the current list and, and just thinking about the teams that would probably try to emulate, it would be the Texas Rangers for me. Um, you saw that they just drafted Jack Leiter. Uh, so the idea that, Hey, you know what? We have not had good pitching probably either. <laughs> you can make an argument ever really, but, uh, the 2011 world series, the Rangers really did not have like a great rotation. They had to go out and get uh Cole Hamels. I believe that was that year. Mm -hmm. I want to say was the Cole was Cole Hamels that year. I believe that sounds right. Um, what was CJ Wilson? Does that sound they right? CJ Wilson. Yeah. And then they had, uh, the, the lefty, um, I'm blanking on that. I remember they had a Colby somebody. They had Colby Lewis. There you go. Colby Lewis, the righty. Um, and they had a lefty in there, and I'm, I'm blanking on the name, but the lefty was with the Giants, I think. He pitched for the Giants for a while. Big mustache. <laughs> mustache? <laughs> I have no Big idea mustache. who you're talking about. I know CJ Wilson was there. All right, I'm going to figure this out while you while you give, that, uh, give your take. I'm going to say that the Texas Rangers will try to emulate what the Brewers do if the Brewers I feel all. like what, you're what do you thinking think? of the, the Rangers pitching coach at the time who had that, like, curly mustache, but I don't know. You can look that up. Uh, yeah, if it's it, if it's the Brewers, it is all about pitching. It's not just the starting pitching because that's that's a big key of it. It'll also be the bullpen, which the Brewers have, and obviously big hit without Devin Williams. But it'll be about getting that top rotation guys, and uh, especially now with the the strikeout reigning supreme, it'll be all about the pitching with the Brewers. That's probably the most obvious one to figure out if they win a World Series. What everybody's copying. Did you figure it out? I got it. I got okay. it. I got it. I found it. Um, <clears throat> they had two lefties that I was thinking about. So I was right there. I was just really, really bad with the names. Um, the one that I was thinking about with the mustache, Derek Holland. Ah, that's right. Yeah, he pitched for the Giants after. I was thinking you meant yep. somebody who came from the Giants, and that that was confusing. Okay, yeah. Derek Holland nope. had, a, had and, and one then, good season with the Giants, yeah. Yeah, he was, he was pretty legit with you guys. And then Matt Harrison. Do you remember Matt Harrison? Yeah. Man, what a and weird also, World Series pitching there staff. Was, there was no Cole Hamels. No Cole Hamels on that roster. Okay. Maybe that was the 2012 or Maybe. 2010 team. Because they lost back-to-back -back 2010 and 2011. I don't know. Maybe they made it. No, uh, 2010, oh, it might they had, later. 2010 they had Cliff Lee. Uh, Cliff that's Lee. who they traded for there. And then Cole Hamels, yep. that must have been a later run um, for them. Maybe that was like 2014, 2015. Crazy that you remember the 2010 uh, Rangers roster. I, know, right? I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. I wonder Speaking why. Speaking <laughs> of why, that would be the San Francisco Giants who won the World Series in 2010. Um, shout out to the uh, band of misfit players that was that Giants team, at least offensively. But what would we say if this Giants team won the World Series? It's the same thing, strangely <laughs> enough. Um, but maybe yeah. teams will just. <laughs> Like, you need to go era to era. Uh, the Giants loved the even years in the 2010s. And I guarantee you next year, the Giants go like 79 wins. And then in 2023, <laughs> they're going to win like 190 games. Like, there's going to be 162 games. The Giants will somehow win 190 games. This team, like, does not lose. I don't understand it. They're going to they're gonna stress every Dodgers fan out for five games. I mean, guarantee. I, I just 
I don't see how this series doesn't go five. Um, but if teams are going to emulate them, you know, the Giants have a decent payroll, but they also don't throw a ton of money at like any one guy. They also made a big acquisition with Chris Bryant at the deadline. They kind of built a, a legitimate squad that maybe doesn't have one particular face, right? Like it is an island of almost misfit, misfit toys, but you have the Lamont Wades. You have the guys like Buster Posey, the the veteran that still produces. Uh, Yastrzemski has been great. I think Tommy Lestello is an underrated signing. How about Brandon Crawford the year he's had and Brandon Belt until he got hurt? I mean, was uh, about to hit 31 runs. Somebody might even also note that there's more balance on this team. I think there's a ton of balance. There's a lot of depth. Uh, they kind of remind me of what the Rays offered last year as well and kind of what the Rays offered in this year. Uh, when you look at a team that might emulate it, it's kind of interesting just to think about like the rest of the league who might kind of see this as, hey, we can kind of build it this way too. Uh, to me, in the situation they're in right now, the Pittsburgh Pirates might want to be taking some notes um, just simply because you know they have Henry Davis, their top pick, right? And the Giants organization has kind of always been built around Buster Posey, I would say. So they built it straight up from the catcher position. And then they filtered with, you know, a bunch of decent players that come together well. And the Pirates, uh, you know, they they don't have a high payroll by any means. Uh, but they can go out and get some guys that uh, can produce for them. Like, they have the the ability to do that. And, I don't know, the misfit toy concept, like, notice, notice what the Pirates have done this year. I mean, they... They had Adam Frazier who was going off before they traded him. Maybe, you know, they tried to extend the guys that they build within and and try to get guys that can, you know, produce maybe at not the highest level, but stop, you know, sitting out the season and, and you know, saying, oh, we'll build for next year and next year. Maybe, maybe go out and get a couple of the free agents that are more middle tier because the Giants have kind of done that. The Giants have built within. Um, they're, it's a very interestingly built team, and it's a team. I think that's the key. It's a team. Uh, a lot of teams, like, I got to throw the Angels out there. Angels are built off of two superstars, right? They've thrown a ton of money at players, and they've almost never worked out. And Shohei Otani's the one that worked out. They still can't even get to the playoffs. So Pirates should probably take some notes on that, kind of find the middle ground maybe between it. Yeah, I think for me it's all about depth. Um, that's been the key for the Giants, which – you know, it's not necessarily having the superstars, but do you have depth because there's going to be injuries over the course of the season? And it allows you to platoon more and get better matchups. So, you know, if you have Darren Ruff and Lamont Wade, neither of those players stick out as like, oh, those guys are all-stars. But what happens when you platoon them with each other, it basically is the equivalent of an all-star player for cheap. Um, and the depth allows you to overcome injuries. So you have some older players producing, but like Brandon Belt gets injured, which he did earlier this year, and now he's injured again. And uh, I don't know what his playoff status is going to be. It seems like he's going to be out, though he's been like taking ground balls and stuff during practice. So I don't know what that's all about. Um, but what's weird is as great as Brandon Belt has been, he's got over a 900 OPS. Lamont Wade, Darren Ruff, both have better OPS than Brandon Belt, specifically in games where they played first base this year, which is wild. Um, Wilmer Flores had like an 850 OPS when he was playing first. So finding depth, I think, is ultra important. And, you know, as great as the Dodgers over this run have been with star players that stick out in your mind, like the Clayton Kershaws and Walker Buehlers and so forth, 
they have had depth too, and that's a big reason why they've been so good. I mean, think about, for instance, Chris Taylor wasn't really a full-time starter until this season. He had been the platoon guy, and he's like an all-star kind of level player. So having depth, I think, would be the 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 mark for the Giants. What about for the Dodgers? Yeah, uh, I would totally echo that and say depth has been a big key. Dodgers have had a lot of injuries. In fact, Max Muncy, you know, it's it's bizarre to me how similar and how different like the Giants and Dodgers can be because they are built differently, but in some ways they're also incredibly similar. Like the rotations are very strong. Um, my gosh, we didn't even mention Doval. Doval has just been unbelievable closing out games for the Giants. He came out of nowhere. I think I think he's got some serious fantasy value moving forward, by the way. I just want to throw that out there. And I'm saying that because Derek made the final acquisition of the season in our league, and guess who he picked up? The guy that I wanted, which was Doval. So well done, Derek. You snuck him right before I was going to get him. Um, for the Dodgers, though, I mean, at the end of the day, it's they build within. You know, they build within and they sign their guys. And I know not every team has the financial flexibility to do that. Um, but most of them do, and it's just a matter of they don't see the ROI there. You know, Cleveland Indians are the perfect example, right? They had Francisco Lindor. They weren't willing to give him the money that they want, and they'll cry poor. The reality is don't own an organization if you can't pay for it, right? And then you see the New York Mets go out and do exactly what the Indians fans had hoped, right? And so the one thing the Dodgers do is they build within, and then they'll re-sign their guys, and then they'll add the missing piece, one or two missing pieces, right? So when you look at teams that could probably build their way similar to the Dodgers, just based off of probably the last last place, last 10 teams, I would say, I mean, the Angels should honestly really pay some attention here to what the Dodgers are doing because the Angels and Dodgers could have very similar financial flexibility. Um, the Angels instead have just thrown so much money at these free agents, as I previously had mentioned. And they have a terrible farm system. I mean, it's a horrible, horrible farm system. And so if the Dodgers win it all again, you know, I mean, the even even if they don't, I mean, the Angels should take better notes. It's one of the worst run organizations right now in baseball. They are wasting two potential, you know, superstar Hall of Famer caliber players, like elite level talent, because the Angels don't know how to draft, develop, and produce within their own organization. And that's a huge problem and then, you know, obviously you're going to see Mike Trout. Uh, they they re-signed him. That's great. But they don't know how to build around him. So the Dodgers have done a pretty dang good job at, you know, getting the pieces to acquire Mookie through a trade, having the pieces they drafted and developed to then acquire Scherzer and Trey Turner in a trade, you know, and, and then obviously, you know, trying to keep Kershaw back. They're going to probably try to retain Bueller. Uh, we'll see what happens with Corey Seager in the offseason. Yeah, I think for me um... – <laughs> it's almost weird to say just like just be the best uh, because that's not really a learning tool or a blueprint but that's kind of like the Dodgers are great at signing players trading for players uh developing players drafting players so you know you can't just say oh our blueprint we're just gonna be the best but that is kind of what you'd have to copy I'll say this for the Dodgers though um and I think this should should be a blueprint Knowing when to cash in and knowing that you shouldn't do it all the time because you have certain situations where you do want guys to come up and you do want to develop that internal depth, but knowing there are certain situations where you should cash in. So last year, you trade for Mookie Betts. This year, you trade for Trey Turner and Max Scherzer. You have to know when to cash in. You have to know when not to cash in and play in that balancing act, and I think the Dodgers have played that perfectly. Okay, let's go to the AL side of thing. The Tampa Bay Rays, if they win the World Series, this is just about you know winning on a small budget and that a bunch of pitching angles and 
cheap pitchers matter, right? Yeah, 100%. And that, that was the team I was going to mention to pair with the Brewers. It's a very similar situation. But the Brewers and Rays are different in the sense that the Brewers are very – I mean, they've got the big names now in the rotation. What's crazy about the Rays is just looking at their pitching depth chart. It's like, what what happened here? How are they this – Shane McClanahan is their number one. Okay, he's, he's their ace. How did that happen? I can't explain that to you. Um, Drew Rasmussen – uh, is listed as the number two on the depth chart. They're going to have Baz start game two, as we previously mentioned. Luis Patino, uh, Michael Waka. That's their rotation. Ryan Yarbrough's in the minors. Um, so, yeah, a lot of it's built on bullpen, uh, to be honest. I think that that's a key. Um, and you saw that the Braves bullpen helped kind of guide them to uh, make a deep run in the playoffs last year and get to game six of the World Series, right? And so uh, if I'm a, you know, a team kind of looking to cut the expenses. It could be the pirates again, kind of uh, maybe a different direction that they'd want to go. Probably a, a more favorable one to their pockets. Um, you know, I'll, I'll add a team like uh, can't add the Seattle Mariners, but the Miami Marlins, Miami Marlins would be an interesting one to, to kind of have them monitor what, what the rays have done. I mean, similar build, similar areas don't have massive fan bases, still finding ways to win. And uh, the Marlins, could learn a thing or two about a the the pitching that the Marlins have the youth is incredible right Derek I, I know more than anybody else you were one that is a massive Marlins fan uh, rotation guy <laughs> and so maybe that's the direction they are trying to go now honestly like, like it wouldn't shock me if maybe they're they're kind of using that raised blueprint because you know the pockets that the Marlins have they could be much heavier but they're they're choosing not to do that yeah this goes back to the depth conversation too it's just all about pitching depth um because you have so many race starters, relievers who they just come up out of nowhere. And it's just like, where did this guy come from? And then he's throwing 98 out of the pen and he's dominating or he has a weird arm angle and he's getting strikeouts and stuff. Having the ability to do that, having the ability to trade away starters like a Blake Snell or lose a starter like Charlie Morton in free agency or lose a starter to injury like Tyler Glass now and just still have good starting pitchers step up. It's almost two things. It's almost like don't extend pitchers for too long. Don't have them on your team for too long, but also have pitching depth that you can constantly cycle through. And it's just very interesting with the Rays. It's almost like a turn and burn with them. Okay, on to the Red Sox who are playing the Rays in the uh, ALDS. What would be the, the talk if the Red Sox were to win? The Red Sox are the hardest one for me to go about with this because – you know, obviously the payroll is pretty high. Um, they haven't been great since 2018 when they won the World Series. Well, I've got one. They had a very good. I mean, I you think got... it's yeah. I I think it's about because I agree it's kind of harder. I think it's more so about the fact that to have a turnaround, you don't necessarily have to buy the superstar in free agency, right? Because yeah. Red Sox were last yeah. in the division yeah, last mean... year. They had money in the offseason. Yeah. Instead of just spending it all on one or two guys, it was like, hey, let's divvy this up between a couple guys on on cheaper, smaller contracts, and we're going to believe in ourselves. And I think it also shows the importance of a manager. Alex Cora returns from the suspension. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point, and I'll, I'll add on to that because I, I think you're spot on with that. You know, the Red Sox were willing to trade Mookie Betts. When they knew that they weren't going to extend him, they were willing to trade him, and they knew the right time to trade him too because think about the acquisitions that they got. They got Alex Verdugo. And they're still going to be waiting in the wings for Jeter Downs, right? So this is a team without 
probably a guy that I think is going to be a 25-25 guy in the league. Uh, Jeter Downs is going to be special, I, I really believe. I, that was a very good trade uh, in return. A, a team that needs to follow that kind of model are the Colorado Rockies. My goodness. Uh, the Rockies could not have done goofed any more than how they handled <laughs> Nolan Arenado, how they definitely, I mean, the, the handling of Trevor Story was absolutely one of the most pathetic things I've ever seen. I, I am baffled to this day that all they're going to get for Trevor Story is a qualifying offer uh, or a draft pick in, in compensation, right? Like, that is that is shameful. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a fireable offense. Give me the job because I'll do it way better than that. Like, come on, man. Like, like what are we doing here? Um, so the Red Sox, you're right. Uh, they proved that a turnaround doesn't take very long. Um, the Rockies were in the playoffs in 2018. Remember that? Isn't that crazy to think about? Yeah. The Dodgers and Rockies played in a game 163, and it feels like so long ago that the Rockies were in the playoffs because they're so hopeless right now, right? Like, I mean, that's the crazy thing. And um, so you look at the two organizations, uh, it's just it's just crazy to me that they're going in such a different direction. Yeah, that absolutely is. Okay, uh, what about the White Sox? Is their takeaway that you should just hire a really old manager? <laughs> Hiring a really old manager is the key, as we all figured out. Usually when it gets a UI, it makes it even better. <laughs> um, no, honestly, I don't think the White Sox are going to be winning the World Series anymore just based off what we're seeing this game one. Uh, the Astros look like the better team. Um, if that changes, though, maybe the blueprint we haven't even figured out yet, except for the fact that White Sox developed a bunch of incredible young hitters. And, uh, I mean, you got Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez, uh, along with the MVP that's no longer young, obviously, Jose Abreu, but they had the international signing. So they really honed in on hitting first, developing, and then they addressed the rotation, right? So they went hitting first, and then... They address pitching. And Carlos Rodon, nobody expected him to do what he did. They traded for Lance Lynn. Um, they dished away Dane Dunning in order to get him. Uh, and, uh, you know, Dallas Keuchel they signed. So it's not like they produced any of these guys truly. They, they produced Rodon but didn't get the uh, the results until after he was technically a free agent, right? So um, they, they went hitting, young hitting first, had guys to build around, and they're going to be good in the future, you know? I would say that it comes down to a couple things for me. One, um, investing in the bullpen. That'll come back around because you have Liam Hendricks. You trade for Craig Kimbrell. Uh, you put a couple young guys in there who throw gas with Garrett Crochet and Michael Kopech. Ronaldo Lopez is kind of getting bullpen. Aaron Bummer. Like, there's a lot in that bullpen. That would be part of it. I, I think the other part of it uh, would probably be investing in the international market. I mean, think about how many guys they brought over who weren't just, you know, free agents or guys they drafted, you bring in Jose Abreu, uh, you bring in Eloy Jimenez, you're getting guys from, you know, Luis Robert from um, other countries outside of the U.S. that have led to a really good, really exciting team. Um, So I think that might be a blueprint there as well. All right, last one we have is the Houston Astros. What would be their blueprint if they were to win the World Series? Uh, So normally I would say... uh, Get a shipment of massive trash cans. Um, that's step one. Uh, usually the bigger trash can that can make the most banging noise, the best. Banging and clanging is the key. Um, but outside of that, maybe just stealing Jordan Alvarez from the Dodgers. That, that might be the blueprint right there. Trade Fields. Um, if you have a guy named Fields uh, is a pitcher, realize that he's not meant to pitch. He's meant to play in the field. 
and uh, Jordan Alvarez is meant to crank bombs. Outside of that, uh, the only in- on- honest insight I can give you here is, you know, if you have a stable team, uh, you know, a core, keep that core, right? It kind of goes back to what I said with the Dodgers too. Build within and then make sure that you hold on to that core because the core of Altuve, Correa, Bregman, uh, Jordan's now, I would say, part of that core. And then let's not forget, probably the best player on this team, Kyle Tucker. Um, they developed him, you know, drafted, and uh, he's going to be the face of this franchise, I would say, for the foreseeable future. And so um, just constantly have that revolving circle of develop, produce, and keep. Don't lose. Uh, they lost Springer, uh, but they developed other pieces that have kind of made their way through. You saw uh, Myers with his first career hit in the postseason come clutch. And yeah, he's not George Springer, but they, they found ways to maneuver. Um, Justin Verlander's been out all season. Uh, the rotation's still been strong. They had Garcia come up. I know you're a big Luis Garcia guy. So uh, they found ways to maneuver through the rotation, but it was the key of drafting and developing and just keeping those guys in the lineup. I think that's a great point, and it's almost like the Cubs, but it's, it, the Astros did a better job of supporting that core than the Cubs have over these past couple of seasons, and then the difference there is also like Ian Happ has been Ian Happ, which is like hot and cold hitter, and Kyle Tucker turned into like a superstar. Like one team got what they wanted, the other didn't quite get what they wanted there. The other thing for me would be, and this goes back to the conversation of depth, having pitching depth. You know, it's easy for us to, when we're previewing the season, look at the team's rotation one through five and just stop at it there and be like, you know, who has the best one through five? But on average, MLB teams get, it's around like 30 to 35 starts from other starters outside of the initial one through five, whether it's because somebody gets injured, whether it's because he's just not good, you have to bring somebody up from the minors, if it's just a quick 10-day IL stint, whatever it is, you're having to start other guys. So we need to start looking at this thing as like, who are your number six and number seven starters who might start the year in AAA or who might be long relief guys in the bullpen or are you going to be able to utilize a good opener like the Rays have done or the Giants have done this season? And that's something the Astros have been able to do. You had Christian Javier who got bumped to the bullpen who had like a, a sub three ERA as a starter just because you had so many guys. And yes, they haven't had that that Garrett Cole anymore or the prime Justin Verlander, but you have a lot of really good pitchers and it's allowed them to maneuver through the season. So that would be uh, mine for the Astros. Uh, that's all the blueprints. I, I know we mentioned some World Series picks on last episode. I don't know if you want to amend anything now that we've seen a little bit of wildcard action in this White Sox-Astros game uh, that's in the ninth inning as we're recording right now. Uh, what's your World Series pick right now? I mean, I I think I'm going to stick to what I kind of stayed with. I, I think the Dodgers and Giants are the two best teams in baseball, but now that we have this matchup, my gosh, they're going to beat the living crap out of each other. I mean, really, like, this is going to be... I don't see it going any other way than a Game 5... Uh, Max Scherzer versus Logan Webb or possibly Walker Buehler. I mean, all hands on deck game, right? I still think the Brewers are going to have the Braves number. I really do. And I think consequently, regardless of whether it's the Dodgers or Giants to win, I think the Brewers are in a much better position uh, just from a standpoint of, hey, they're rested more so. Maybe they won't have nearly as emotional of a series uh, to come off of. Uh, I just think the Brewers are going to be in a great position in the NLCS, and that's why I'm going to pick them uh, to go to the World Series where they will eventually lose to the Tampa Bay Rays, which mm. I 
I can't figure the Rays out for the life of me. Like it just on paper, the Rays should not be beating anybody. <laughs> but it, it's something about the like the team that they've established. They just find ways to win. They're well built. They're well constructed. Every guy has a role, and they accomplish that role. And I I have only been proven that the Rays continue to do that. You know, I mean, all season long. So uh, I expect that it's going to be the Rays' time this year. I uh, have the Astros Dodgers rematch and a matchup of Dusty Baker versus Dusty Baker, and uh, <laughs> who knows what will happen from there. But I just uh, this Dodgers team is so good from a pitching staff to a, I mean Cody Bellinger was an MVP two years ago. He's hitting eighth, and you know if he continues to play like he did in the regular season, then it's even bad that he's hitting eighth. But he had two walks, he had two steals in the wild card game. He came up pretty big. So I'm going with the Dodgers against the Astros, and then I'm taking the Dodgers to. Uh, to me, the biggest hurdle for the Dodgers was the wild card game because that is such a 50-50 proposition, but they got through that. I think they'll be good to go now, uh, but that could be a heck of a series again with the Astros, and boy, would that be a lot of storylines. All right. Well, don't 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 jump the gun on your Giants, man, because the if you notice when you're listening, Derek and I are very much against our own teams anytime we talk about them because we feel like we're going to jinx them incredibly, incredibly hard. At this point, one of us will be happy and the other one will be very, very sad by the next time we record. Um, but either way, I mean, both of these teams, I, I, I think the Cardinals was a massive hurdle. The Dodgers' biggest hurdle and the Giants' biggest hurdle for that matter to get to and win the World Series, I think, goes through each one of them. Granted, I also just said the Brewers are going to be lucky to kind of pick up the scraps, right? So it, every series is different. Every series is emotional in its own way. Uh, that's the beauty of the postseason. You know, you can predict it. You can sit back. But we don't know when the, you know, the Matt Stairs or the Matt Adams of the world, uh, the Randy Rosarena has come out of nowhere, right? And so... There's going to be some kind of postseason hero this October. Uh, you One can only imagine. Um, Chris Taylor was it so far, right? And uh, we'll see what happens moving forward. All right, he's Dusty Baker. I'm Derek Johnson. Subscribe to us. Give us a five-star review. Social media at Booze and Baseball. Email boozeandbaseball at gmail.com. Thanks to Mick Skit for the stock music, Man Cave merch for the coasters. If you'd like to purchase a coaster, get festive for October and then into November for the postseason BNB15 to get 15% off. That's BNB15 with Man Cave merch. Drink responsibly. Have a good one. For Dusty Baker, I'm Derek Johnson. Later.